Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 101. This week, we talk with Donovan Brown about the latest in VSTS, including Xamarin Test Cloud integration, hockey app deployment, and even support for Docker. Hardware porn. And Donovan Brown rubs a little DevOps on it at Build. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics, providing tools and solutions to accelerate design, development, insights, and collaboration for any organization. This week we have Donovan Brown. He was star of the Build Conference and he's an air hockey master. <laughs> and I didn't let him write his own intro. I wrote it for him. <laughs> Welcome, Donovan. Uh, thank you so much. I, I don't know if I'm a star, but it, it's it's been weird uh, being recognized. It, it's it's pretty surreal experience. And a lot of selfies were taken when I was in Mexico. So I'm trying to get used to it. <laughs> very, very cool. Yeah, at Build, you know, I, I was watching the the keynote. You came out. I got I got all excited. I was clapping even though I, there was only like four people with me. And then you just, you did an awesome job. And I love this too, because you came out and you said, let's rub a little DevOps on it. <laughs> you know, that is so epic. Yeah, I'm never going to live that one down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, on, on, that should be like your, your subtitle like on on Twitter like I, I actually I've been hashtagging it quite a bit lately rub DevOps on it so that I can keep them all together but yeah it just uh I was so nervous for that one because first of all it's a build which is which is yeah, huge, right yeah. that's a good point. and yeah and then what happened before is that we went through the rehearsals my rehearsals were fine and Miguel, I love him to death, but his rehearsal didn't go very well, right? So I'm thinking, okay, if it happens like that tomorrow, then he's going to like lower the bar. I'll go out there. I'll crush it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Then he goes out there and he just kills it, right? He's like telling <laughs> jokes. Everyone's laughing. Yeah. I'm like, what's this guy doing? He bombed yesterday. Now he's just like on fire. And then Scott goes out there and just says, everything's free. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> How am I supposed to top this? Because he didn't even say that in the rehearsals. Yeah. So in the rehearsals, I had no idea Xamarin was going to be free for uh -huh. everyone. I'm like, what are you doing, Scott? So I'm standing back. <laughs> backstage and the guys like Your counting guy me down and I'm like what is exactly I'm like what's going on so when I went out there I was like that's it I'm just swinging for the fences let's just hope for the no best. no you you did the right thing and then you also I loved it too like a lot of people picked up on this because I, and I need to give some backstory here there was you know the the a lot of the the speeches can be really awkward and people like build in pauses for, for <laughs> clapping. And you'll, so you'll have somebody, you know, say something that, that they thought was exciting, but the audience <laughs> doesn't think it's exciting. So they just sit there and wait for a few seconds. And then some of them are just like, oh, you, you can clap, you know, and then it's, it's like super awkward, but you just embrace, you're like, that's your cue to clap. And then, <laughs> I love it. And then you're like, you know, you can assume if there's any kind of silence, just start clapping. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, swinging for the fences. You just, owned yeah. it. that was, it was, it was incredible. Was it was incredible. No, it totally worked. It was, it was absolutely perfect because by that point, everybody like was it just, you know, there was sort of a mockery of the, of the whole pausing and clapping <laughs> thing. So that was the timing was just absolutely perfect. There's one point in there where I just start laughing because in the corner of my eye, I see these guys whose like hands are like just waiting for me to pause, right? They're like already in like mid-clap. <laughs> <laughs> and I start laughing. So I like pause for a second. They start clapping. I just start laughing. Yeah, like, do we like need to, yeah, do we need to like see the audience with some clappers? I mean, because I, I think I think having an applause sign is probably over the top, but right. uh, maybe you could like see it. I know Apple does that. They all have like the first three rows are like all Apple employees and they're like gotcha. trained like when to clap. 
which is, which is sort of cheating. So <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but I, I have had had some people that I, I knew that was a big point. Yeah. Uh, I did a session at build outside of the keynote and we had kind of talked about it before. I was like, what are your big announcements? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, that one should be huge. I'm sure they'll be all right. I was like, but I'll be there in, in case there's not. Cause yeah. if one person starts clapping, everyone else gets it. Yeah. Right. And they'll start to clap. So, uh, there's points to where if I need to, I'll force it out of there. But yeah, that one, and they literally, in the re- rehearsal, Scott said, Donovan, that's a big moment. You need to pause. Yeah. That's exactly what I told him. Like, hey, this is where Scott told me to pause for the applause. So <laughs> that's your cue to clap. And let's just yeah. go ahead and keep doing this. Yeah, we got to earn it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Oh, and Carl's here too. Yeah. yeah I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I met Carl at Build. It was awesome. Oh, I was eating awesome. my popcorn at the at the little meeting and he handed me this cool book. I have a. Did you follow the, the trail of swag leading up to Carl? No, actually, he. When I got to him, though, he did have a a, a notebook for me from from the show. So awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, good. Then I don't have to send one across that off the list because <laughs> I, I have like a backlog of like thirty of those things I got to send out. Yeah, some people were jealous right next to me. I was like, "Hey, we've been on your show. We didn't get one of those things." Oh, <laughs> like, oh geez, Carl. Well, you know, <laughs> it's funny because Carl brought those over to my house. We ordered like a hundred of them, and the box weighs it just weighs a ton. So I bet. yeah, he he can only haul so many <laughs> without bringing like a a mule with him or something. Absolutely, uh, they they don't let those on the plane. Uh, okay, Carl, what do we got for the Infragistics winner of the week? Uh, this winner of the week we got off of iTunes, uh, V Kanjini. Mm-hmm. I hope I didn't mangle that too bad. That looks right. But he said. Five stars, and I came across this podcast when I found a noticeable gap in podcasts that focus on Microsoft-related technologies. That's why we're here. The the first one that he listened to involved his beloved PowerShell and VS Code, which completely got him hooked. He he said, I have never been more excited to work in the Microsoft stack, and I have to thank the MS Dev Show for such amazing content. Well, thank you for that glowing review. Uh, We really appreciate it. And if any of you want to... uh, uh, send us feedback. You too could be entered for the Infragistics ultimate license uh, of the week. Just uh, send us email to feedback at msdevshow.com. Comment on Facebook, iTunes, or Stitcher. Uh, like V. Kanjini, uh, we really like those five-star iTunes reviews. Thanks a lot. Very cool. Very cool. Before we get into the news too, um, we were we were just talking before the show about these these podcast machines we have, so we just have to mention this. If if anybody at any point is thinking about buying a Mac Mini, just don't. They are like <laughs> they are they are just the worst computers ever. I, right. So so a little bit of background. <laughs> yeah, give us uh, the background, Carl. So we we've had a bunch of issues where. You know, in the past, we have used uh, our personal machines to record on the podcast, and the settings would jump around just because we use them for other things. Uh, we'd get a, a occasional blue screens, just all sorts of random reboots, mostly on my end because I treat my my software like. <laughs> well, I was crap. gonna say you're you're like on the fast insider ring. Like Carl does every everything that you shouldn't do. That's what he's doing, and then he's using that for like production podcast, you know, important stuff. <laughs> someone's got to do it. Yeah, gotta see if it's podcast it. ready. Yeah. So anyways, we decided that, hey, we're going to get these dedicated machines. And we were going back and forth between Mac Minis and the Intel Nook. Yeah. And in the end of the day, we're like, you know, it's just the Mac Mini, it's slightly cheaper. And, you know, it's just one piece. We'd actually have to put the Nooks together. And we're just like, yeah. we're lazy. Well, we'll my get the big Mac thing Minis. was just less configuration options. 
I mean, yeah. there's like three models that you can get of the Mac Mini. It's like three configs. Like that's it. The Nook, it was just there was way too many options, and I just wanted to get something ordered, so it was way too complex. I'm like, oh, this will be a piece of cake. We can get the, you know, we we looked. We're like, okay, 1.5 gigahertz. Like that's plenty for Skype. We didn't get the SSDs, and I think that's really what's killing us. But man, these things are just. They are slower than slow. It is, I mean, it is just ridiculously unbelievable. The, um, even the settings app, you know, just, uh, just the control panel. It takes me 12 to 15 bounces to get that thing over. Yeah. And each bounce is what, like a little over a second. I mean, it's literally like 15, 20 seconds sometimes. Um, this thing takes like well over a minute to boot and every other app. I mean, they can take 30 seconds to open. I mean, it's, it's. I, I just feel bad for anybody who buys one of these thinking they can use it for any real work. Now, if you're doing like Xamarin and you want to use this thing just for your builds, then okay, maybe even then, I don't know, man. I mean, if you're, if you're like a serious developer and you're trying to do Xamarin stuff, I, this thing, I mean, it, it's going to waste like 20 minutes of your day every day. I don't think it's worth it. You need to yeah, buy just, a higher end. You know, we go to Mac and cloud, right? We have a partnership yeah. with Mac and cloud where they'll actually stand up a Mac with our build agent already on it yeah. for you as a package. And that's what I do. Yeah. Just want. go that route. And yeah. they probably have the higher end configs anyway. So you can build what you need. Yeah. So if you have to get one of these things, make sure you don't get the base model. See, that's how they get you. They're like, Oh, it's only $500, but yeah, you're getting like $300 for the computer. <laughs> I actually, I talked to somebody too. They said, put windows on it. It runs way better. Uh, so we are actually, what we're going to do is we're going to swap in SSDs and then we're going to install windows on them. Boot camp it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I had a Mac once a long time ago and I boot camped it with XP and holy crap, that was the most reliable windows machine yeah. I had ever run in my life. Yeah. It, I think in the entire time I had it three years, four years, it locked up one time. Yeah. Right? That's unheard of for a windows machine. It was so rock solid. Yeah. Cause this, I mean, this hardware is nice. I mean, it's not that big. Right. It uses like 13 Watts or something. Cool. Um, yeah. And I covered up the, the Apple logo with the MS Dev Show sticker. So I'll have to send you some DevOps stickers too. I'll have to get those on there. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so let's jump into the news, um, which I've thoroughly read. This first one, <laughs> clear text, text editor. What is this, Carl? I mean, I know all about it, but explain it. <laughs> so what, what this is, it's a text editor that'll only let you use the thousand most popular words in the English language. <laughs> And what what the point of this I was, is, is I was about to say I, I actually haven't read this so it's a confession <laughs> I was I I thought of Donald Trump and I scroll down and there's Trump mode yeah so <laughs> you're, you're getting ahead of here yeah sorry so what what this does is it you know it kind of shows you when you're trying to uh, articulate something to an audience that you want to make sure is very clear and not confusing it won't let you use those big words if you hit space <laughs> and that word isn't in the top thousand it just deletes it. And what somebody else did is, uh, or not somebody else, but later on, like Jason said, there's Trump mode. Somebody took Trump's speeches and did the same. Only the words he uses. (laughs) Only his top thousand words. Wow. So is this what you use for your uh, blog post, Carl? (laughs) I'm sorry. No, no, my writing style is, I I, I use a lot of unique words. Actually, it's kind of funny too, because whenever you're writing, like I, I think, there is advice, you know, that you, you should, you shouldn't use like, you know, there there's, you can tell there's people that write that like try to confuse their, their reader and they use big words that like sound smart. There's a balance there for sure. So I don't know if you need to use this program, but uh, I think there's something in there. I know the thing that I was always taught growing up is like most newspapers will try to write at a sixth grade level. Right. That, right. that way it's 
can be understood by the greatest audience. Yep. Interesting. Okay, my biggest regret as a programmer. So, you know, I, th- I thought this one is interesting just for kind of like career advice from, you know, somebody's point of view who kind of did something and kind of regretted it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this guy kind of talks about his his lengthy career and how he always stayed very technical. He stayed on the, you know, software developer, architect kind of path, did not go into management, did not become a CTO or anything like that, and talked about how he probably would have been happier had he done that. Yeah. So, you know, as, as somebody who's constantly thinking about, hey, where am I on my career path? What should I be doing? What would make me happier? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of like to look at other people's perspectives because, you know, sometimes I, I, you know, it's so much fun getting into code. It's so much fun just tearing apart a problem. But, you know, would I be happier just trying that other path? Yeah, that's, it's a really tough one because I, I think there's a little bit of grass is always greener on the other side syndrome going on. Um, exactly. Fortunately, like I've gone over there and I've tasted the grass on both sides. I guess I'm like overusing this metaphor, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've gone down that path and there's things that I liked and then there's things that I didn't like. And for me, the biggest thing, I actually started getting like too far away from the code and I didn't get to write any code. Um, and now I have a job where I get to do like a mix of those. Um, so I think, I, I don't think it's a matter of like, am I going to be a developer? Am I going to be a manager? It's like everybody I think has a, has, has a number of dials of like what, what will make them the happiest, you know? So like how much code do I want to write? Do I want that to be like a seven or a 10? Cause I think if I was only like strictly writing code, like if I was a developer and I had somebody like feeding me features, like now you must write this thing. Oh my God. I, I don't think I could handle that. But at the, uh, on the, on the flip side, if, if it was set to zero, they're like, Hey, listen, just, you can never write any code, man. That would, I, I couldn't handle that either. So I think I'm set to like, let's say like a six, maybe like maybe like a six and a half on that. And there's probably like other dials there as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess my advice is if you're early in your career, like just, I would try stuff. I mean, if you get the opportunity to go into management, I would try it. Um, especially like I said, if you're in early in the career, cause you can always recover from that and, and switch gears. And that's what I've done. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. And I, I think, think also you have to remember I, I'm, I'm a developer too, and yeah. I know I will sling code till I croak. So, I mean, going into management, you just can't do that on the side yeah. by yourself. <laughs> like, so that's something you, you kind of have to do at work, but you can always too. code. And, yeah, but you can, yeah, we can always sling code on the side, right? Yeah. I mean, I have more pet projects than I do professional projects, yeah. things I just wrote for fun. So I think if I were already on the developer path, I would try the management side because you can only do that at work. And then yeah. just keep coding for fun on the side is what I normally do. But you were yeah. saying something about the presenting? Oh, no, I was just saying like – and then you – I mean, you haven't just been doing development, like you, you've gotten to do presenting and stuff like that too. So it's like, that's one of your dials where it's like cranked up a little bit higher. Like, you know, you get <laughs> that's to, my manager. I were talking yeah, about that. It's kind yeah. of cranked up way too And I'm, I'm guessing like that's something that you're at, you know, you're interested in. You're not just being forced to like do a presentation. No, no, I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So yeah, he, and he lets me do it and he's, and it helps the company, right? Yeah. I, I, I help get the message out and, and get people excited and passionate about what we do. So there's value in that just as there would be value in me writing another extension for VSTS or, or something like that. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that kind of just proves the point that today there are more options there than ever in, in, in the degree of kinds of things that we can do within our field. It's not either or. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of blended positions as well. So, you know, sometimes you can maybe, you know, talk to your boss about, hey, you know, maybe I can take just a little bit step further, see if this is something that I want to explore more. Yep. For sure. Okay. Hardware porn. What is this all about, Carl? 
So Is this every, yes. <laughs> so everybody, I mean, really, I, I will. Let me start over. A lot of people <laughs> take two. Beep, yeah, take two. Beep. A lot of people are get interested in whatever Stack Overflow does, and yes. they kind of updated their hardware stack, and they made just a huge blog post about about it. So. I just decided to go kind of uh, clickbaity and just call it hardware porn because they show some really beautiful pictures of a lot of these rack servers with beautiful wiring and what mm. it takes for them to write, you know, run like a top 50 website on the internet. Well, and, I like them because they're extremists. I mean, they're not, well, they are. Yeah. They don't, they don't say like, how is everybody, everybody, how is everybody else doing this? Cause everybody else is using 200 servers and they're doing it on, you know, we've talked about this here. I think they're doing it like 20 and that's what I like, think it's even less, yeah. you know, they just throw these bigger, more massive machines with ridiculous Ram and storage yeah. and just go less and less of them, it's, which is generally frowned upon because they could hit, they could hit a wall theoretically. Yeah. So if you're interested in what they do, uh, go check out the link in our show notes. It has tons of pictures yeah. and they even like show, like they pull apart what's in one of the racks and show you oh. like the CPUs that are in there and all the Ram. It's just, you know, some amazing things that you don't get to see every day. Even if you do build your own computers, most people don't build their own rack servers. <laughs> yeah. These are beautiful photos. I mean, even though I think somebody just like took out their phone and just snapped some pictures, like these are cool. <laughs> so I think it was appropriately titled. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Eight things better than IQ at work. So, you know, one of the, I ran across this article and for me, it was kind of really uh, appropriate because uh, where I'm at, my kids just had their spring parent teacher conferences mm -hmm. and like all my kids, you know, got, you know, like, oh, they're so smart. They're so good at math. They're so good at reading or whatever it was for each one of them. And, you know, all of them was like really smart. Mm -hmm. And in our field, intelligence is, you know, a highly coveted, highly, you know, in demand, you know, trait. Mm -hmm. And this article is like, there are other traits that you can have that actually are a better predict predictor of success yeah. that then just how smart you are uh, to include thing like openness, conscientiousness, agreeableness, extroversion. I know that's a, not always something that you get in our field. So is that like a twin? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was really bad. <laughs> I just, I'm reading it as yeah. extra, yeah, extroversion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things, you know, you, you know, once again, going back to the kind of career track thing, you know, it's like what, you know, what is the skill set that you bring and maybe what are some of the things that you could work on to improve yourself to get ahead as well as make it better for those around you? Yeah. The second trade in here is one that Satch has really been pushing, which is this growth mindset, but there's also self-regulation, resilience, passion, empathy, conscientiousness. Openness social to experience skills. and social skills. Yeah. And honestly, like, <clears throat> I think these get pushed a lot in, in Microsoft overall. Like I, that, that is true. I see, yeah, people that, that are very balanced in, in like these eight, well, not just these eight, um, traits, but like you, like the stuff that you mentioned earlier, the, the personality factors, um, tend to succeed. Yeah. And, and kind of like bringing it back to my kids again, you know, you know, it's easy to congratulate them for success on, mm -hmm. you know, doing well in school on the intelligence side, but, you know, you know, making sure that we grow them as complete people and all these other factors as well, making sure that they're, you know, socially adept and, you know, open to new experiences and yeah. you're motivated to grow. I mean, these are things that 
I think we we understand our good things, but we don't always push as much as we push these. Um, yeah. You know, the intelligence. It's a lot harder. It is. Oh, okay. So that was it for the news, right, Carl? Yeah, I think I think we need to uh, rub a little DevOps in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on it, on it, Carl. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so so let's jump into this. So I guess what I'll have you do like initially here, Donovan, and then we'll just kind of dive in everything, but just kind of walk us through the high level announcements that, uh, that came out at build. And then we'll, like I said, we'll dive into each of those. Sure. So, um, obviously I'm a huge fan of release management. We yep. talked about that a lot while we were, um, on our first time that we chatted, that's now an update to on prem. So people can finally have the, uh, the UI experience that we've been enjoying in via VSTS or team services for so long, you can finally have that on prem, which is really good excitement there. Uh, obviously Xamarin was the biggest news I think for, for the dev track for us was, uh, our acquisition of Xamarin. Uh, we acquired uh, Hockey App not too long ago, so we're really doubling down on mobile DevOps and how we're going to be able to enable that and make sure that Microsoft has the best tooling in the world uh, for DevOps, no matter what platform or language that you're trying to target. The fact that Xamarin's free, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was huge. Uh, I mean, people, I'd never heard a crowd cheer <laughs> that much three times in a row, right? Because yeah. he announced that it was free, and then he kept announcing every level. And when he got to community, people just freaked out. Yeah, like, yeah. I can't believe they're just giving it away. So uh, I couldn't believe it either, actually, <laughs> uh, which is great, though. So um, that was big. Uh, there were some smaller announcements inside of... Um, Inside of Visual Studio Team Services too, we're obviously improving our Git support. You can delete work items now. Uh, you can move work items between. You couldn't uh, delete team, work team projects before. Yeah, it's never it's never <laughs> been there before. <laughs> it, it only took us ten years, but we finally. Well, actually, I think there's a lot of systems like that, right? So you could like sort it, of you could, like, archive them, but you couldn't delete, yeah. delete them. Okay. Yeah, you, even if you even in source code for the longest time, if you deleted something, you could always go get it. Yeah, right? and it's for audibility and traceability. There is a little unknown uh, feature called destroy. Destroy, yeah, but you have to be an admin, have to go to the command line, and so. then it literally is gone, right? Yeah. It's, it's out of the database. There's no record of it. Well, because space is cheap, so I think that was probably the that's probably the thinking in most systems. Like, sure. I've worked on so many systems where we're like, you know, let's just mark it as delete because we don't really trust ourselves, I, especially since what what always blows me away in SQL server specifically is that the delete command, the, the less information you get it, the more destructive it is. <laughs> it's the worst, the worst command has the, has like just the, the worst way of operating. It's <laughs> valid. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So those to me were the biggest ones, right? Um, I was so focused on my, my seven minutes on stage that to me build is a, somewhat of a blur, right? Yeah. It, it, I mean, you're so focused on, that seven minutes of your life, yeah. right? That was like the most important seven minutes for about four weeks of my life. So for four weeks, my boss pretty much said, Craig Donovan's out of commission, right? Yeah. He's literally, we, we rehearsed and rehearsed and focused. So the only announcements that I really even remember are those that I was helping make a part <laughs> of, right? So there could have been a lot of other cooler stuff happening at Build, but I once I got off stage, I was like, okay, finally I can, I can breathe. It's been five weeks of, yeah. of my life getting ready for this. And everybody who's working on Build uh, within Microsoft, what ends up happening is they turn on their out of office reply and you email them and it's like, uh, no, you're not getting a reply. <laughs> no, yeah. You just resend this. I'm not even going to go yeah. through the hundreds of emails when build is over. It's you just, just resend. Yeah, this you care. exactly. And it's, it's just, rough. it's just crazy, but that, that actually is a good pr- approach. Um, I think Pete Brown's is like that right now and he's also switching teams and he's got all this other stuff going on and gotcha. he's like, yeah, I'm, 
everything is basically being deleted this month. So yeah, resend it next <laughs> month if you want me to see it. Which you, I mean, you have to do. Yeah, it's it's just it's I, I joke all the time that you're you're faster to get me on Twitter than you are on my email because yeah. uh, my email is just it's nonstop and it's yeah. it's just well and then much. Twitter I mean you'll be at the grocery store right and you'll be like oh yeah you can do that yeah, yeah. it's easy and, and and they can they ask me their questions in very short phrases right I don't yeah. have to scroll through this humongous email <laughs> to get to the point right it's like oh okay there's your problem here's the link to the answer done that's I can do this very quickly but you telling me about why this is important to you is not going to just get me to the question. Yeah. All right. So I can answer it for you. Okay. So, yeah. Twitter's better for me than, than email. Yeah. Did we cover all the high level things? You mentioned hockey app, release management, hockey app. Well, yeah. We, those are all. And what we did is we really went through and, and showed you how you could all use them together. Also the Xamarin test cloud, yep. which is obviously a, a, a big announcement there as well. Uh, and we also have partners that do that, which is in, kind of interesting. I'll tell you a funny story. So uh, I'm really, really big friends with the guys from Perfecto Mobile. They're just a fantastic partner of ours. And we showcase them at Connect. And then all of a sudden we buy Xamarin. And my inbox is just like flooded <laughs> from anyone who knows anything about like, dude, what's happening with Perfecto? Are you guys I'm like, no, hold on, hold on. We own Xamarin now. Great. But that does not change the fact that Perfecto is an amazing partner and does amazing stuff for mobile DevOps. So uh, just to say this really quickly, we have Oracle running in Azure, right? I mean, we partner with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> we partner with people who are flat out competitors with ours. Yep. So uh, I just wanted to make sure I throw that out there for all my Perfecto mobile fans and friends is that now they're as good a partner as they've ever been. And I think they have an, an amazing uh, offering and, and does things that Xamarin Test Cloud doesn't do yet, right? So we have to go play some catch up now yeah. that we have Xamarin to go make it equal. Cool. So can you tell us a little bit about what Xamarin Desk Test Cloud is and, you know, sure. kind of the details of what you showed uh, on the stage in the keynote? Sure. So when you are doing mobile development, uh, it's tougher than ever because there's so many different phones and every phone has comes in a different size and a different configuration. I mean, it, just think about being a web developer. We had to worry about four or five browsers and that was a nightmare enough. Just imagine all the different form factors for mobile applications. It's it's, it's just un, it's staggering to think about it. And we could all we could go download all the necessary browsers. You cannot go purchase all the necessary phones to test your application to make sure that it's going to work the way that you expect it to when it reaches the hands of your end users. But with the Xamarin Test Cloud, they have the devices for you just sitting there waiting for you to these are actual devices. This is not an emulator or a simulator. There are physical devices sitting in a rack that you can then basically remote into and have it run your test for you. And there's a re video recorder running so that if the test were to fail, I can literally watch a video of that device being tested. Every screen that was played, every button that was clicked, yeah. so I can see exactly where it falls over and not have to go combing through some arbitrary log file that might not really give me the, the entire picture. I now get everything that I need against physical hardware. I saw we that. Integrated, blew, that blew my mind. It's pretty cool stuff. I mean, it's it's a, it really changes the game for for the way that you're going to be able to do DevOps on mobile, and it integrates really well inside of Visual Studio Team Services. So you don't have to manually do any of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can actually go and add a task to your build, and then that task will take the output of your build and upload it to the Xamarin Test Cloud, where we then go and execute all those tests for you, and then bring the results back down into Visual Studio Team Services for you. So you never actually have to leave. If all your tests pass, then you never have to go to right. the Xamarin Test Cloud. If something were to go wrong, I, I showed some of the amazing uh, details that you can get into. Every screen for every action that was taken is captured for you as an image. There's a video, there's logs for the device, logs for the test. I mean, there's just a whole wealth of information 
information available to you so that you can troubleshoot it on one device versus another, right? Because it might have, as I showed in the demo, I think it worked on like four of the six devices yeah. that I had and or one or the other one's messed up. And it's like, okay, great. Those we can go ahead and, and know those are good. And these over here, we need to go back in and focus on and, and do some more testing. So yeah, I think it, it just really enables what we really want, which is, is automate as much as you can, right? That's what I want to do in every DevOps pipeline that I build for a customer is that, I don't want human beings doing anything yeah. because when they do, they break stuff. Yep. Right? So I don't want them touching anything they don't have to. Now we have the ability with release management to put gates in place, right? Now this doesn't require a human being to touch anything. It basically just gives their approval that we want you to continue into the next environment. And that's all we want the human beings to do is say, yep, it looks good. All the validations that we wanted have passed. Please go ahead and proceed to the next environment. But we don't want you touching code or anything. Okay. And the dev is just checking in code, right? Then and, and the that's magic of the STS is sending it over to the Xamarin exactly. test cloud. Exactly. Can I, I I assume then that I can, you know, for like every like random check-in, I could run it on a subset of devices and then maybe for a bigger release I could run it on a bigger group. Absolutely. Okay. What you could do is throughout your pipeline, uh, we kind of do this with hockey app as well, is that with release management, you basically can create as many environments as you want. And each one of those environments can do whatever you want. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is that we call them environments because they're not environments. They're stages of your deployment, at which point you can do whatever you want. So if I wanted to take it to the first stage, which is I just want to test iOS devices because that's my biggest share of developers uh, or my users, and I want to make sure it works there first. And then we'll go later in the next stage and we'll test it against some Android devices and then maybe some iPad uh, Pros or something like that. You could actually stage your deployment that way such that we get the most important test done first and you get the thumbs up and get that out the door and then we'll do some more exhaustive testing or or more edge case testing later on but you were able to get your product out so you're com you have complete flexibility when you're building your pipeline to put as many stages as you want and do whatever you want in those stages of your deployment uh, so in hockey app the key there is being able to get it to your tester so you don't have to put it into a store before you can get it onto someone's physical device Right, and that's the, one of the biggest wins of Hockey App is the ability to say, give this piece of code to Hockey App, and then there's 15 internal testers that I want to get it today. And they'll get a notification on their phone saying, hey, there's a new version, but the rest of your testers don't get that notification. Only the 15 that you really want to see it first. That's cool. They can go back in, do whatever they want. They can send crash analytics back to us. They can send us feedback uh, directly back inside the Hockey App, which works its way all the way back into Visual Studio Team Services. So as a developer, I get to go to VSTS, and there is the bugs, the feedback, all the information that I'm getting from the actual device from a tester. If I like what I see, then I'm like, okay, release management, I'm happy with the feedback that we're getting from those 15. Go ahead and release it to the next ring of people. And we can keep doing that as we roll out our, our application to the masses and then finally auto-publish it to the store as well. So Yeah, I, I had no idea like all that stuff was going on in the background because in Microsoft, you know, we're obviously – uh, from like a user perspective, we're using hockey app. Like I, I go there, it lists all of the internal apps we have. So basically yep. like every public application we have is also available on there basically in a beta form. So I get, yep. I, I from, I, I don't think I'm in any special rings. So I'm generally <laughs> like, like one month ahead of everybody else. I get those updates sure. a little bit ahead of time. Uh, but that's really cool. Like I, unknowingly, and I, I guess sort of knowingly, I mean, I knew I was testing those applications, but I don't always get feedback. 
Um, but I didn't realize like, I'm actually like one of, I'm actually a tester at Microsoft. (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. And you're, and you're giving feedback through user analytics anyway. So we know uh, when you're using it, how many new users we get per day. If it crashes, you're able to send us the crash analytics with the, with the stack trace and a lot of information about what was passed in. We can also go back and if you did choose to give us feedback, maybe there was something you really liked or something you really don't like, you can actually use the phone to submit your feedback and it goes directly inside of the hockey app portal so that we can go back and review that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we escalate that into a bug or to a feature that goes into our backlog for, for future development. Infragistics, ultimate UX and UI tools and enterprise mobility solutions, share plus and report plus enable high performance apps on any device, faster data insights, simplified collaboration and market leading security all backed by comprehensive support. With Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Development Toolkit, you can ensure mission-critical applications delivering a superior user experience on the desktop, web, and native device environments for iOS and Android. With the latest BI tools, wow your users with dashboards providing the data insights that they need when and where they need it, all at a low total cost of ownership. Try it today. Download a free trial at infragistics.com and follow them for the latest updates in UX and UI development, reporting, and collaboration at Infragistics on Twitter. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you will get a free copy of Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Toolset. So do you, if you want to use a hockey app as part of your VSTS pipeline, do you, I mean, do you have to pay for it? I, I have no idea how this works. Is it something you yeah, buy it, separately? It, is it a service? It is a service. I believe that you get an app or two for free, but okay. don't quote me on that. I believe there is like a kind of... Donovan will cover it for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think you get like three apps or something like that. I think that's the way that it works. Okay. But it kind of like you can you can put an app or two in there, get get an understanding of what it app, what it does. And then obviously the more apps you put in there, the more you pay for it okay. uh, as you add more apps and things like that. But uh, there is a cost to Hockey App. I just don't know the exact details, unfortunately. Okay. No, that's not But so it's a great sorry. product. And, 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 it, and the team that we have here, we obviously got a lot of those guys and, and Thomas and that team. They're just a fantastic team to work with. Yeah. So how do I hook Hockey App uh, or integrate it with VSTS? Okay, so the same way that we do with a lot of things is basically an extension. So Visual Studio Team Services, we've taken the community as a as a first-class citizen inside of this development environment. So we want people to be able to extend what we've built through something called an extension. So there's lots of different points inside of Visual Studio Team Services that you can extend. You can add tasks, you can add sections to our build summary or our release summary, you can add service endpoints and all kinds of cool places you can hook in. So what we did is we actually wrote an extension for Hockey App that adds a widget to the dashboard, adds a couple service connections, and adds a handful of tasks. So in your build or your release, you can then add this Hockey App task to your build and say, okay, this is the app that I'd like to upload to Hockey App so that you can then start distributing it to my tester. So it's just an extension that you add. Same way with um, Xamarin or Perfecto or Redgate or LaunchDarkly, um, Octopus Deploy. All of these are partners, vendors, or internal uh, products who have produced extensions that then you can just download from the marketplace and add to your Visual Studio team services. Okay. And that was another announcement. That's actually now you can get those extensions on-prem as well. That was also announced at Build. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, so you have that same ecosystem on-prem too. Yeah. I apologize that we talked about this last time you were on, but the the database deployment and like deploying yeah. my entire environment, how do I do that? Is that using like the the database 
project functionality within visual studio? Is it, is that how it's like, do you know, it figures out like how to turn version one into version two. Is that sure? Okay. Yeah. But but we have two options now um, because SSDT, which is short for SQL Server Data Tools, mm-hmm. is a technology that we have available to us that will allow you to build something called a DAC pack, um, D-A-C-P-A-C, so DAC pack. And a DAC pack is essentially a digital fingerprint of the schema of your database at the time that you want to do your deployment. And it is just a project inside Visual Studio. So right there where I have my web app and my class library, right below that is a project for my database. It has the schema of every object in my database. I mean, users, permissions, tables, triggers, functions, the whole nine yards is versioned right alongside your project. When you build that project, you get a DAC pack as the output. Like you would normally get a DLL with a class library. With us, with a SQL Server data tools, you get a DAC pack. Mm That DAC pack is just a artifact that we can then use in our pipelines. And we can see, we have a task that says, here's the DAC pack that is the schema that I want our target database to be. And then here's a connection string to the target database. Go figure out how to make that database over there look like this schema and don't lose any of my data. And and let me know when you're done. So there's no more writing SQL. There's no more concatenating your alt alters with your buddy's alters and then having a DBA bless it and then running it. Right? This is like, this is one of those moments when you're like, when I was your age, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I had to write SQL by myself, yeah. right? No, no, no. You, you need to stop that. And what's, what's horrible. And I'm glad you asked this because mm-hmm. I go to customers all the time and I say, so what, what's your backend SQL server? Great. Uh, are you guys using SSDT? And they look at me like a deer in the headlights. I'm like, <laughs> Please tell me, you know, what SQL server data tools are like, we've never heard of it. I'm like, how are we keeping this a secret? It is Microsoft's best kept it's a, secret. And it's right? amazing. It is ridiculously cool. Yeah. I literally used to lose sleep. I run a I run a production website for racing cars. And when I used to make the database changes, I would literally lose sleep because I'm thinking, oh my God, if I alter that table, none of the stored procedures will tell me that I screwed up until you run the stored procedure. Yep. They don't know the column's missing until they try to execute against it. SSDT, as part of your solution, when you quote unquote build it, it will actually go find those things. So if I were to delete a column in a table and then go and build the project inside Visual Studio, it will say, you just broke these 50 stored procedures because they all rely on that column. Yeah. Things I would not have learned until runtime had I not used this technology. And renaming uh, renaming columns, for example, I remember <laughs> I remember once there was this government company that I went in to work with, and um, there was this guy that came in. He says, "I'm here to fix everything. They're in bad shape, and it's my job to fix." I'm like, oh, "Great." He says, and the first thing I noticed is I was going through their ER diagram, and they had misspelled the word "citizen" in one of their tables. It was just driving this guy nuts. Right? He's like, "Go correct <laughs> oh, the spelling of that column, it. right?" And they're like, "No, you can't. You know how many thousands of store procedures we have? You know how hard that would be." He's like, "It just drove him nuts." So I go That's in one day and I'm showing them and no, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I go in one day and I and I heard that. So I was show, doing them the demo of uh, SSDT and I right click on this column in the database and I see the rename under refactor and I just rename it. And it showed me all the store procedures that it was going to fix for me. Yeah. Not that I had to go change, but it fixed for me. He could not get his checkbook out of his pocket fast enough. He's like, we're buying everything that you have because I want to rename Citizen right now and fix it. So it's it's more than just your schema. It's refactoring. It's it's just integrity. It's just it's an amazing uh, technology. Now, there's always a, a but, but it only works with SQL Server, right? And, and if you're using SQL Azure or you're using SQL Server, you're golden. But what if I'm using MySQL or Oracle or DB2 and I still want to have this exact same experience? And that's where, again, the partners come in. And we have a great partnership with Redgate. So Redgate is essentially that type of technology yeah. for 
SQL Server plus everything else that we don't touch. So if you're only SQL Server, it's in the box, there's nothing to pay for, just use SSDT. If you're using something outside of SQL Server, then you can use a partnership that we have with Redgate that gives you the exact same experience, but with other database technologies. And they also wrote an extension for Visual Studio Team Services that gives you that exact same uh, experience using different databases than our own. Yeah, I used to use But yeah, Red- everything should be, yeah, everything. Oh, I, used, I did too. Yeah, I used Redgate before SQL had that functionality. Exactly, so did I. Yeah, that's how yep. I learned from them too, because they did the schema compare, which was huge for me yeah. uh, back then. Oh, it was yep. just like magic. And this will give you it nightmares, was- but before that, so this would have been 15 years ago now. So a guy in our company, he, uh, to, to do this functionality, because he didn't, you know, we didn't want it to go and manually create these upgrade scripts, he yeah. actually wrote software to basically do that same thing. Uh, to it was it was <laughs> this is this is the crazy part. He wrote it in SQL, and what it would do in SQL, it was that it it would actually write the SQL to make you know version one into version two. It would, but wow. but the the crazy part that it was written in SQL in SQL, and the SQL yeah. was actually writing out. SQL, SQL to update it. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, at that stage of my career, like somebody was explaining to me, I'm like, like mind what's blown. What's going on? <laughs> They're like, yeah, yeah, you take this script and you run this, and then this gives you this other script, and then this script is what actually does it. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> it was, it was crazy. Yeah, I love when I tell people that every line of VSTS is stored inside VSTS. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. VSTS build is built with VSTS build. So it's kind of like this weird kind of what? Like, yeah, it's kind of mind warping that well, the new versions come from the old versions of itself. I, what always scares me though, like I just imagine the scenario and I know that this shouldn't be possible, but like let's say let's say something happens and it like goes down one day. And then you can't fix it because you can't get the source control. <laughs> Chicken and, and egg. Then, and then Microsoft are just like, sorry. We're stuck. <laughs> no more VSDS. We start over tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, luckily our deployments are a little bit more sophisticated than that. <laughs> we can't get ourselves yeah, into that Yeah, it just scenario. it seems like that could happen. But I know, no, no, I know I there are understand. smart people that are making sure that that's not possible. <laughs> no, but I completely get it. You're chicken and egg at that yeah. point. So what can VSTS do uh, for something like Docker? That's a really big thing. Everything? Everything. Everything. So this is interesting, right? So uh, I'll tell you another story then. Um, (laughs) uh, Did I tell you the story about trying to get to New Zealand for the first time? I I don't think so. That one last time? All right. So I really, really wanted to go to New Zealand, like really bad. We have a a big fan from New Zealand, by the way. So he's getting getting really excited right now. Awesome. Cool. I, I, and so what happened in 2015 is I really wanted to go. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I, there was a Ignite in New Zealand. I was like, I'm going to write a, a synopsis or an abstract for a talk that no one in their right mind would deny. Yeah. Right. And I said, I'm going to use Docker and I'm going to use Xcode. And I'm going to, I'm just like, I, I threw in, it was like, it was the technology just explosion. I was like, I'm going to do all this on stage live in front of your audience. And they accepted it. I didn't know how to do any of it. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to New Zealand. I was like, oh, this is horrible. I got to figure out how to do like a demo that uses Docker yeah. and Coded UI and Selenium. And I mean, I have actually the slide of just the demo itself is awesome because it has all the technology listed. And But I figured it out. And Docker was the central part of that particular demo. Okay. Right. So I wanted to show how to do Docker with VSTS. And I deploy this application while the audience is using the application. So they're all on their phones using it. And I'm deploying it right there in yeah. front of them and changing it. So it was, it was a really cool demo, but it, it used Docker. And when I did it back then, it was very, very painful. Yeah. And just be perfectly honest, right? There's, there's mountains of PowerShell, mountains of public, pub XML files. It was just, when I was done, I was physically exhausted. <laughs> and I said, okay, there's no way that this is how I would tell a customer to do it. Did I get it to work? Yes, but I would not wish this experience on anyone. So 
2016 is coming and I've already been invited to come back. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, how do I top this demo? First thing I do is I make this experience better and something that other people could duplicate. It kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier about uh, how your dial is yeah. set, right? So I am actually a program manager. Mm -hmm. I am not responsible for programming. I'm a developer for 20 years. There's no way you're going to stop me from, yeah. from coding. So because of the extensibility of Visual Studio Team Services, I said, I'm going to go write a Docker extension that's going to make that demo that I did a year ago ah, a go. piece of cake for anyone, yeah. right? So I don't need the mountains of PowerShell. I don't even have to really understand the, the major concepts. I just want tasks that I can put in my build that know how to build an image, publish an image, pull down an image, run an image, and so on and so forth. So I think it was Christmas break. I basically crank out this extension. It has four tasks in it, a couple service endpoints. And I show my manager after on our one-on-one, -on -one, I was like, yeah, this is what I did over the break. My demo is going to be so much cooler. Look at these tasks that I wrote. And he says, so what are you going to do with those? I was like, well, I'm just going to give them away once I get to get to New Zealand. Like, hey, look, this is what I yeah. did. He's like, nah, we're going to put it in the box instead. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is awesome. So he literally said, take all that code, give it to the IDC, which is our uh, International Development Center. And they're going to go basically make sure it's production ready and put it in the box. So it was announced at private preview at Bill. Oh, that's cool. So those, those well, congratulations. finally come out. Thank you. No, I, I'm very proud of those, yeah. actually. I'm, I felt like it was weird giving them up. I'm like, dude, no, I mean, this is mine. <laughs> I, I wanna, I, you want to give my baby away? Like, you know how, these are like 95% code coverage. These are like rock solid tasks. Yeah. Like, these are like, this is how I would tell everyone to write them. He's like, give them to the IDC. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> so I gave them over, but I trust them. I trust them and it, it'll be awesome. So yeah, Docker, we take it very, very seriously here at Microsoft. So not only Docker on Linux, but obviously containers on Windows as well. So um, Visual Studio Team Services, for example, that's where we're moving, right? That's where we want to go. We want yeah. version control. We want work item tracking. We want package management. All those services that you see popping up, we want those to be microservices, potentially in a container that we can then scale independently of the rest of the system, yeah. right? I might need a lot of horsepower for work item tracking, but not so much for package management right now because it's not popular. But as it becomes popular, I can then scale up that one service without having to scale up the entire infrastructure and then bringing along all these other services that really don't need that extra hardware. So that's where we're going. Uh, so we take containers very, very seriously. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm excited about containers. I'm also... Uh, really excited about the Azure functions and I don't want to <clears throat> go mm. on a tangent. We actually have a guest lined up. Uh, cool. It'll be in a couple episodes here, but I'm, I'm super excited about that as well. <clears throat> yeah. I saw, I heard that, heard, heard that announcement. Haven't actually gone back and watched any of the videos on that yet, yeah. but it sounded like it was actually is going to enable a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, you know, the, the compute portion of it is there, the, the distribution. I don't think there's any way for you to hook into VSTS yet, but um, I would love to see that eventually because I want to put my my code in source control. I want to have it tested as if it's, you know, I want to test sure. it sort of at the product level and sure. then ultimately, you know, put my my um, my functions into uh, into Azure and, and have you serverless can, compute. Anything that you can do from two different avenues. If there is a command line interface yeah. and almost everything in Azure yeah, can be done through be Azure PowerShell. But they're working on it. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. It's possible. I didn't say it was pretty. Yeah. I said it's possible, yeah. right? So you can make it pretty though, right? Yeah. You can take all that nuance and all that complexity and wrap it into a task that makes yeah. and what then is never ugly have to deal very, with it again. Exactly. Which is what we did with Docker, which we're going to do with as many technologies as we can. But the point is that anything that can be done from a command line or anything that exposes a REST API, API, 
those are now endpoints that are accessible to you from build and from release management, right? So we can exploit all of that stuff for you. And what you do is you write these tasks that basically hide all the nastiness away from you and give you all this power uh, in in replace of it. And uh, that's why I learned Node, for example. Um, I learned Node, again, go back to the Docker thing. So I wrote the Docker thing all in PowerShell. I was very proud of myself. And And then my boss says, okay, so are you telling me this doesn't work on Linux? I was like, well, no, it's PowerShell. I was like, do you not see the problem here? We're talking about <laughs> Docker. <laughs> and yeah, tell me that yeah. the solution doesn't work on Linux. Yeah. So I'm like, oh yeah, okay. He's like, that's like hand palm moment, right? It's like, oh my crap, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, so let me go learn Node first because I didn't even know Node. So I had to go learn Node and I rewrote everything again uh, so that it would actually be cross-platform. Yeah. So it now runs on Mac, Windows, or Linux, uh, which is kind of cool. Too. Very cool. So one question I do have is around like Key Vault. You know, so there's the Azure mm-hmm. Key Vault and storing your secrets in there. So how does that work with, with VSTS? Like how does... You know, it needs some credentials or certificates to do some things. So how is that managed? Well, VSTS actually has um, a key store built inside of it. Oh, okay. Right? So you don't necessarily have to go to Kivo ah, to okay. to pres- securely store information. Um, every ver- variable that you store, we have variables inside of uh, build, and we also have variables inside of release management at several different layers. Those are all actually encrypted not only in flight, but also at rest, okay. right? And they're all basically in a private key vault uh, for VSTS. Okay. Now, that being said, uh, I've had the same discussion that you just asked me about key vault proper out in, in Azure. Yeah. And there are certificates and because we store basically strings that you need to be encrypted. Yeah. But what if I have a, a certificate or something else that needs to be encrypted? Key Vault's a great solution for that. And like I've, I sound like a broken record right now, but we're working on an extension, right? Yeah. That's going to basically have task that you'll be able to say, hey, there's my vault and here's the secret I need you to go get. And, and then let's go ahead and go because your Key Vault basically has URLs for every secret that's stored inside there that you can go back in and retrieve the information that you want. And we're basically going to obfuscate a lot of that complexity away from you and give you a nice, simple interface that says, that's the secret that I want, and I want you to store it over here so that I can go and use it. Okay. So everything is accessible. Any language, any platform, there is literally nothing out of bounds or out of reach. If you can, I tell everybody, let's go to PowerShell real quick, or just go to Node.js, and let's go find an NPM module that does what we need done. Yeah. And all we're going to do is wrap it up and we're going to bring it directly inside of uh, VSTS. Okay. So then I have another question for you. I might, sure. maybe, maybe I can finally catch you here. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> am I able, so for my build process, cause I only, honestly, like I've only used VSTS for one build process so far and I have other build processes, and I just haven't switched them over. Am I able, uh, these are all open source projects. Can I make that whole thing public somehow? Can I give somebody access like, you know, just so they can, cause like right now for some projects I'm using Travis CI, I don't know how familiar you are with that, but somebody like you, I can literally send you the link and what it'll do is you can actually watch the build process as it goes. Yeah. Same thing with Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah. So is that in VSDS yet? Not. All right, so that, that that was the one question you could ask me to where I yes, the answer is no. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we are not a GitHub. We are not a Jenkins. Yeah, we are very. We're so secure that even opening it up anonymous access, which is essentially what you're asking yeah. for, it's so far from what we do. Uh, it'll be hard for us okay. to go back. But I, I know and it's that's been to- up. And that's totally I, fair. And and honestly, yeah. like the people that can see that, they get no value from that. So just sure. just to be clear, sure. like if I switch over my build processes, nobody would complain. So right. it, it's 
to me, it's not a big deal. I don't know if it's a big deal to anybody. Now, what we can do, though, let's say, for example, you were to have code out in GitHub, mm-hmm. and GitHub has all those different yep. flags that you can fly on the completion and the success. We can report to those for okay. you, right? So even though your repo is in GitHub, you can still, can still pull to it. On. Exactly. And okay. we'll go ahead and send back that that build was successful, but we won't let you see the build running, and there's no anonymous access to my build definition or any of that kind of stuff today. Okay. Um, I, I, it comes up quite a bit, so oh, really? okay. I don't know if the powers are B uh, are going are going to actually try that but i know every time they maybe they just start shaking their heads like yeah you know it's really not not what we're in the business of doing well the the only reason that i'd possibly want that i just i really strive for transparency and it's one of these things where like i'd almost use it as a way to promote vsts because i would say here's my source control it's all you know you can go look at everything um, you know, cause I have it, I tend to have it in GitHub today. I guess if VSTS had that anonymous access, I could even put the source source control in there as well. Uh, right. but I have my source code that you can see, um, I'm using, you know, typically like the shared Azure website. So like, you know, like a $9 mm-hmm. hosting option and then <laughs> yes. that piece in the middle where it builds, I would love to just make that public and say, Hey, you can go look at what's going on there. Um, gotcha. but anyway, um, yeah, that, yeah, that'd be a little tougher for us. But now when you talk about transparency, I'm a huge agilist, right? Yeah. I, I don't, I, I completely understand transparency, but I'm usually want to be transparent with my stakeholders, mm-hmm. right? And my product owner, not Joe Blow on the street necessarily. Not that that's a bad thing, but when I'm thinking about being transparent, it's about the stakeholders who are, are vested in the project being successful. And those I would give access, right? Yeah. And you can give them stakeholder licenses and it doesn't cost you anything. So it's not anonymous. I know who you are, yeah. but I'm not penalized financially to, to share Absolutely. with you that information. So if you wanted to give everybody you have a stakeholder license, they could come <laughs> in and look around, <laughs> but it'd just be a maintenance, like a, a maintenance nightmare, right? Yeah. Even, uh, okay. Everybody just email me for access to that. Exactly. <laughs> you can probably automate that though, right? Like everything you can do at REST API. My email <laughs> is carl at ms <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and you will automatically be added as a stakeholder to my project. <laughs> Definitely. All right. All right. So what can you tell me about release management too? Last time you're on, you're told, you told us about release management. You know, I have a feeling that you got more to tell us there. Well, release management, we've been making a lot of more, a lot of improvements there. So uh, the approval, it's funny, improvements over the improvers uh, was one big key point there to where we allow you to, you could always put individuals there. Mm-hmm. And if you put a list of individuals there, it was pretty much everyone there had to give their thumbs up and, some people like that. Some people didn't like that. And also, the way the emails went out wasn't very consistent. Some people want all the emails to go out all at once, and then they want everyone to be able to, in parallel, to go ahead and approve them. Some people want the email to go to the first guy in the list, and if he rejects it, not waste everyone else's time uh, getting an email because the first guy didn't like it. And we now give you that flexibility of saying, how would you like us to email the individuals uh, so that we don't flood people's inboxes? Uh, we also had the ability in the past to where if you had a group and you could assign a group as an approver, we'd email them, but then the first guy who came back would win, which is great, but sometimes I don't have the authority to go create the group that I want, right? I don't have access in AD to go create a new group and then put the people that I want in that group. Right. So what we also allow you to do now is put five random guys, whatever you want, right? Whoever you want on the list and say, only one of these guys has to say it's okay. So it's almost like a pseudo group to where you get the power of groups without having the authority to go in and create groups in your active directory or your organization's um, ability there. We also added the ability to do parallel deployments so that I can actually have one environment trigger five other environments to all start at the exact same time. So there's a, sort of like a dependency that can say, I want this particular environment dev to start the instant that the release is created. 
And then I want these five QA environments all to be watching dev. And as soon as dev is done, I want all five of them to start deploying at the exact same time. But they're actually different individual environments if I wanted to. So we've given you a lot more flexibility on how you configure your your environments as well and how they actually start uh, throughout that process. And we're constantly revising that. Um, We also have tighter integration now between build and release. So if you were to go and create a build definition, and if we identify that there's no release pipeline, well, I kind of prompt you with this little section saying, hey, we don't realize there's no release. Would you like to create one? Click a button and we'll walk you through a wizard that will then create the release pipeline for you. And then the next time you run that build, in the summary, you'll see exactly where this particular build is throughout your entire pipeline. So we're drawing that thread between all of the different features and functions inside of Visual Studio Team Services. If I'm in the code view, and like I said, we have Git as well. So you could take your GitHub repos and instantly move them over to Git inside of Visual Studio Team Services where you get private repos unlimited for free, right? So that's one plus to to come into VSTS if you need private repos, is that um, we'll also identify that, hey, this repo doesn't have a build on it. Would you like to have a build? And then you click a button and then it'll walk you through creating a build for that code. It says, oh, by the way, this build doesn't have a release. Would you like that? And you click another button. And next thing you know, we've walked you through from code to an entire pipeline that you have uh, inside of VSTS now. Very cool. So the traceability has gotten a lot better as well. So what else have we been doing a lot with obviously package management? I don't know if package management was there last time we talked where you're able to now have your own private NuGet repository. Uh, um, I think it might have been. I think gotcha, I okay. talked about that. But. And then we're obviously going to extend that so that it has Bower and Maven and other types of um, feeds that you can actually get out of it, not just okay, NuGet. NuGet cool. was first. Right. And we obviously want to be able to do Docker is another one where you actually have a repository oh, called re- registry. Yeah. yeah. So that you can actually go and store your images to which you want to pull from. Uh, we want to extend it to where we have that functionality. As so well. is all that stuff like in your within your organization, is that accessible then? You could just use that as your centralized repository. Absolutely. Whenever you're... Yeah. So for example, there's a lot of people who want to make sure that they control what packages their, their organization uses for legal reasons, yeah. for security reasons, and they don't want them just going out the NuGet proper. Or just so they stuff. don't disappear. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So yeah. they, exactly. So we need to make sure that we always have that particular version and that you can now do that using our own private NuGet feed so we can get to control that. And you, you can also make sure that people who need those NuGet packages don't have to even be on the internet anymore. Right. As long as they're on the same right. network, they don't have to actually be vulnerable to the internet to get to those particular okay. packages. So can you, uh, same thing. can that, can that go in, and, and this is totally off the wall question, Sure. but is it able to also like pass through to a public, uh, package? you wouldn't pass through the, the actual reg, the feed does not pass through, yeah. but when you go do your NuGet registration, you're, you're restoring it. Yeah. You actually have a NuGet config that can say, I need you to check here and here. Oh, and okay. Here. The reason I right. asked is we, we had that. talked a while, or we talked, I don't know if it was the last episode or the episode before that we talked about all these uh, repos- these NPM packages going offline. And mm. it seems like we need like a two tier system. Um, so that's something, something else to think about and maybe put on your list is almost like a cache. Yeah. A cache so that, you know, think of it as a, how a CDN works. So basically I request right. it from the local server. The local server says, Oh gee, I don't have that. So it goes out to the public repo. It says, Oh, there it is. It pulls it down, caches it, and then also streams it to you. Person number two comes along and they ask for it. Well, boom, it's right there in the server. Right. If it gets deleted off the public server, at least you still have that copy of it there. Right. I don't know how long your cache is going to stay live, but I know I'm, as you're saying that, I know I saw a button for you to be able to, uh, I'll actually like save. 
cash. Yeah, there's yeah. there's like you can actually disable using cash, right? So there's already oh, okay. a caching mechanism for the package resolution, and you can pretty much say I never want you to do that. So there must be something already built in, okay? Because I know I can disable it. <laughs> we, we, can, we can solve this problem. Like somebody else email us and tell us, yeah, that's exactly. been there forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so we'll figure out that one. And then we were talking about Xamarin later, so you know, just to revisit yeah. that, I just want to make sure: are there any other integrations? We talked about Test Cloud. Um, is there anything else there? I mean, I guess we didn't really talk about like actually building right. stuff for, iOS first, and- for Yeah, they are actually included inside of Visual Studio, right? Which is, I think, the best yeah. IDE on the planet, right? So now you can go in there and say, file new project, I'd like to create a Xamarin iOS app. Mm-hmm. And it's just another project type for you. So the experience with Xamarin isn't just for testing your app. Initially, it was for creating the yeah. app. And you write the code once, and you get to deploy it everywhere. So it's already integrated in there as well. Um, there's also uh, not only the test cloud, but there was something else that just slipped my mind when it comes to Xamarin that... Um, oh yeah, the fact that you're able to run a, um, a iOS emulator now on your PC, yes, right? Because if you were ever doing your deployment development before, you need a Mac for several reasons. First, you're always going to need a Mac to do the compilation. But if you actually wanted to simulate using your application, you also had to go onto the Mac, right, and run the simulator physically on yeah. the Mac. Uh, but now you can actually bring that simulator up directly on your Windows machine, so that you don't have to keep swiveling around to that Mac Mini and getting frustrated with how slow it is. Is it, is it pretty fast? I haven't played around with it yet. Uh, it looked pretty good. The only one time I saw it was when Miguel was showing okay. it uh, on stage. So I'll see it again. I'm going to Xamarin uh, Evolve here, oh, I guess, in a week fun. or so. Yeah, so I'll see Miguel and all yeah. those guys again, and I'll play with it a little bit more. Yeah, we're gonna have we'll have James Montemagno back on the on the show to talk about some of this stuff. But I know Microsoft. You know, there's the Android emulator, which is yep. fast, blazingly fast Blazing compared fast. to but, yeah, and not just other ones. not just fast compared to like the you know the one from uh, from Google, Google. yeah, <laughs> but but yeah. actually fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a it's a performant experience. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah, okay, based on Hyper V, so it's gonna be good. Yeah. Final final thoughts. Anything we missed? I'm trying to think. Um, no, uh, not that I can think of. I'm, I'm I got really busy after build, <laughs> so uh, it's pretty cool when you get off stage and then Scott Guthrie's assistant comes and finds you and says, "Oh, by the way, you're going to follow him to uh, Dev Intersection and do all this all over again." And you didn't know when you were on stage that this was happening. Yeah. So uh, that's been really exciting. So um, going to Peru, that's that'll be a lot of fun too for Dev Days down in Peru. Oh man! So uh, hopefully we can do this more often. But it seems like my dance card starting to fill up here pretty quick. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, you you know you're welcome on anytime. Yeah, right after you walked off a stage, I I tweeted you like, "Hey man, come back on." You're like, <laughs> "Yeah." <laughs> yeah, we've been planning for me to come back on even before build. So, yeah, that's like, yeah, we definitely yep. have to do that. Had a blast last time and this time, so it's all good. Okay. Um, oh, actually, Carl. We didn't talk about the HoloLens. Carl's HoloLens. Oh, yeah, so Carl, you have a HoloLens. Yes. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> tell us about it. So, for those of you who want to get the uh, the the quick and dirty, there 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 are some uh, videos that Jason has put up. Mm-hmm. One of them, including a Skype call between the two of us, yep. uh, Jason recorded that uh, because it does look Skype is totally different on the Hololens. You'll love how I recorded it too because I just held my camera up to the screen, <laughs> and we ta- I think we talked about this on the last episode how I got that because I was recording a Skype call, which was your perspective 
where you could see me on the Skype call. And that's what I was recording with my camera. And I'm still confused as to what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the sequel generating sequel that runs. Yeah, sequel. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the, the first thing is this thing has no warranty. So that, that that's like one thing that scares people, right? <laughs> hmm. and, and, you know, especially when he's, you know, there's several thousand dollars. So you let nobody yeah. touch it. Yeah, but I mean, they come in these awesome cases. I mean, I mean, you can just hear the quality as I'm banging it, right? <laughs> right. And uh, but I mean, this is a rock solid device. It feels really good. If if anybody has been lucky enough to try one on before, this is definitely uh, a few generations. It's definitely had a few modifications to it since some of the early ones that people had uh, tried on, and which I've tried on several of them, and uh, so that's been amazing. Some of the games that come with it are just blow your mind in October. They showed the one where, uh, the robo raid where, you know, you scan your room and robots literally come (laughs) out of your walls in your room. They know where doorways are. They know where like hallways are. So, I mean, it intelligently comes out of the spots that make sense. And as they bust out, you can see like beams and other rooms behind them. Um, it's just totally immersive. But yet, I mean, there's not, it's not all action and stuff like that. There's another game on there called Fragments. And without giving away too much about it, once again, you scan your room and you're solving a crime scene that took place in the room that you're standing. Oh, geez. So they overlay like doors over doors. Ooh, and you know, I got I to gotta ask you, have you played any like horror horror games? Because I've seen like on the Oculus Rift where people are in like a dark room and like all of a sudden the thing like jumps out in front of them. And it. I watch the video and it scares the crap out of me. So I can't imagine. <laughs> I mean, so so can you put like the hollow lens on and and you like turn, you know, actually what would be cool. You look in the mirror, right? And you see like somebody standing behind you and you turn. And it's not actually there. Oh, my oh God, that, that's that horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's freaking me out just thinking about it. <laughs> no, but I mean, no I mean, these are really well done, including a lot of, I mean, just one thing you have to remember is like any UWP app works for the HoloLens. Yep. So wow. there's tons of 2D uses for this. That I think people haven't even thought of yet. I had a little bit of Twitter conversation. Somebody's like, why should I even bother? It's such, so niche. I'm like, the reason why you should bother is because it takes no effort. Yeah. There's maybe a few things you might want to optimize because you don't have something as quite as precise as a mouse. But other than that, I mean. Well, you sort of get it for free. It, you, you really do get it for free. I mean, free. there's freaking office on there. Like Carl, I, 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 I sent him a message. I'm like, can you open Word on there in Excel? <laughs> and he's like, let me try. And a minute later, he's like, yes, I can. Now it's the modern <laughs> versions that are in the store. But sure. still, I mean, those are pretty darn good. And he's like, you know, like doing formulas in Excel. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Man. That is too. And they didn't, I, I don't think, I mean, Office didn't do anything for the HoloLens. It just No, worked. they did nothing. Yeah. Um, and then, and then there's just fun stuff. They have a, a hologram pack where there's just 3D objects you can place around the house and they're totally persistent. <laughs> like all of my kids, including like letters. So all my kids have their names above their beds in holograms. Huh. Oh, so, very cool. I mean, just fun little things. Um, you know, I, yeah, but- you sound like you're. You sound like you just explained to me a really, really expensive Xbox. But like, <laughs> what do you, what do you do, like productivity wise? Is there anything that you're doing besides just playing games with it, or have you developed anything? Have you, for have it? you added IKEA furniture to your house yet? So, <laughs> I, I've been slowly working with the dev tools. I have not come up with anything mind blowing myself, but I have kind of got the the Hello World. You get the spinning cube. That's like that. Okay. The Hello World of a 3D app. Okay. Got so. It. And part of it is, you know, I'm trying to do Unity. I'm not a Unity developer. I'd never installed it before I had a HoloLens. So for me, that's very new. Understood. But as as the UWP side, something I've done tons of, I just find it amazing that everything that I've done before, all of my skill set, 
I didn't do anything, and it just works. I'm, yeah. I'm making the same apps I always did. So Donovan, yeah, the, the, I'm guessing I'm guessing that house prices are just going to plummet because you can buy a place it's just falling apart. All the paint colors are terrible. The cabinets are terrible. <laughs> and then Halloween the Halloween makes it look nice. It. It just, <laughs> you know, you have, now you have granite countertops and you know, just like everything is perfect. And you have like the finest, you know, the Mona Lisa on your wall. Exactly. And- <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, the, the demo that got me was the first one from build last year where the guy was watching TV on his wall and said, follow me and just started yeah. walking and the TV came off the wall and followed him. I was like that. So in my Skype video, you'll see that like Carl's talking That's to me, awesome. walking around his house. And I'm like floating. Yeah, yeah actually, awesome. it was trying to attach me to walls. So I'm like, I kept attaching. I think it was, it didn't want to like block a doorway or something. Sure. That is amazing. Yeah. So that, I mean, it got me interested, but I don't know if I want to shell out. What is it? $3,000 Yeah, for one and this, of those. So it's the first generation too. I mean, it's first generation and it's a dev device. I mean, if you look at like the PlayStation 4 dev devices, when they came out, they were three grand. And what are those now? Okay. Like 400 bucks? Not yeah, saying that's what the price is going to be, sure, 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 but sure. I see that as equivalent technology. So, gotcha. I mean, I would well expect this to be well under uh, 1K. And at that point, I mean, it's accessible to, you know, all of the, you know, modern world. Well, and Jason's sure, law sure, says sure. that holographic technology will double every 18 months. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> don't rush it it's out. just I, I, you know what i mean it, it, yeah. I, no no for happen. sure everything's moving so like fast. this is yeah. the, they, they're just like they figured it out they jammed it into this thing i don't want to make make it sound like they like shoved it out the door or anything sure but, i mean just the amount of like groundwork that had to be laid and I, I just i have no inside knowledge on this but i just can't imagine what this thing's gonna look like in five years yeah i can't even imagine. i have never even actually held one and i work on campus here in yeah Redmond, there's i haven't secret. either carl yeah, owns like one a- and i still haven't seen it in fact, exactly. He came over to my house and he's like, Oh, I should have brought my HoloLens. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, dang it, Carl. <laughs> oh, every time you disappoint me, man. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, leading on, uh, my dev tip of the week is developing holograms 101 course. Okay. Uh, it's on developer.microsoft.com. It, you go there to show you, like, you know, what the hello world is, how to work with, you know, all the different things that are, are unique or new because of the HoloLens. So check that out. And the cool thing is, because we have the HoloLens emulator, you can write all this code that's unique for the HoloLens and run it today Very without cool. needing one. Very cool. Okay, I'll have to do that. Awesome. Okay, Donovan, pick a number between one and four, inclusive. Uh, two. two. Would you rather have a jar of jelly beans that never goes empty? Or a magical stereo that can play any song you want to hear. What? I mean, it's the candy. The candy. Without, without question. I love candy. This, this question is it's clearly dated. I have <laughs> no, a magical I, stereo that can play any song I want to hear. No, yeah. Exactly. Oh, I, come I can on. do that anyway, but definitely the candy. Even if, it, even if we didn't have the technology to play any song I wanted, which we do, I would still take the candy. <laughs> oh, man. They need to update this game. So You need to buy a new one, Jason. Hey. Just exactly. so you know, I was at the store and I was trying to find a replacement and I cannot find one. It's like, it might as well said, would you like a jar that never goes empty or a device that will let you talk to your friends <laughs> yeah, over from anywhere in the video. world? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's got to be in one, ear, one in here about holograms. Okay, Carl, pick a number. I'll take four. Okay. Would you rather wake up one morning and see that your body is covered with hundreds of tiny snails 
Or I love how, I love how Donovan's is like, do you want a magic radio or tons of jelly beans and Carl's? You can wake up covered in hundreds of tiny snails or wake up with your nose and ears filled with a weird yell- smelling yellow slime, uh, which is, I guess that's pretty normal, right? I'll, <laughs> I think I'll it take, came from the snails. <laughs> yeah, I'd take snails because at least Me you can too. get them off. Yeah, exactly. Who knows what that yellow yucky stuff is from well either one of these like so many questions (laughs) 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 oh (laughs) so many unanswered questions man Okay, what do we got here? Where's my one note? Uh I guess that's it. Uh (laughs) so Donovan, where can people find you? Uh Donovanbrown.com and at Donovan Brown on Twitter are the two best ways to get a hold of me. I would say too, you can go to channel nine and and uh put your name in the search there and you can see all your amazing videos, include including your uh build presentations. It looks like you were in three. And also my appearance here. Yeah, yes, that's true. We're on except there's no video. You can hear No, there's no video. Yeah, so I'll tag you on that one. I appreciate it. And Carl, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So Donovan, thank you so much for coming on the show and rubbing Always a little a bit of DevOps on the MS Dev <laughs> show. <laughs> it is awesome. We're going to have to, as soon as I got off stage, Scott Hanselman's like, that's it. We're getting stickers and shirts made. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was awesome. I was like, all right, man. Well, count me in. I'll buy some. <laughs> all right, cool deal, man. Thanks, guys. <laughs>